Isaiah 9, verses 2 to 7. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. As men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them. The bar across the shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. God bless that reading really to our hearts and to our spirit. My message this morning is uh, this afternoon. I nearly, uh, no, no, it's okay. I'm going to the doctor this week. Um, my message this afternoon is very simple, straightforward, and related to all the things that we have been doing. My message is about Jesus, Lord and Saviour, born to save the world. Simple as that. In my last message, I spoke about the collision course of the Old Testament colliding with the New Testament at the Last Supper that Jesus spoke to his disciples and it was like a fulfillment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. And we live by the prophecies of the Old Testament because thinking about it this morning, what would the New Testament be if it wasn't substantiated by the Old Testament, all the prophecies, all the stories that were there, they bring forward only one thing, a collision course that brings a holy God that's starting a re-establishment of the kingdom that began thousands of years ago. We ponder on those prophecies and we see such prophecies and there are many, many in the Old Testament. Some. Maybe 300 allude to the Saviour, to the Messiah, 50-something very, very directly. But I just thought I'd bring you a few more just to set the picture of the Old Testament bringing together things in the New Testament through Jesus Christ. The first is from Micah 5.2. But you, Bethlehem, Epaphrathah, Though you are small in the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from ancient times. From Isaiah 7, 14. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, God with us. 
and from Second Samuel, when your days are over and you rest with and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. These are just a few of those prophecies that have, that bring together the, to the nation of Israel the fact that a Messiah is coming. One of the things though, in our society today, the problem is developing the story of Christmas. And we, we talked about, we've talked at length now about the carol service and we brought the message, the true message of Christmas. But in the world, the true story of Christmas is becoming a fable or a fairy story that focuses on a nice birth of a baby and mainly surrounds things of Santa Claus, parties, gifts, trivializing the whole enormity of this event. In the USA, they say, they don't want to say Merry Christmas, Happy Christmas. They're mostly saying Happy Holidays. Don't offend anybody. And I think about that. And I, I believe it's really Saint, Satan attacking the Christian faith because the Christian faith is the only thing that Satan can fear. If you think about other religions, are their days trivialized? Are their special days trivialized? Is Ramadan, is Hanukkah, are they trivialized and commercialized? No. But Satan fears us as Christians and he's honing in on our days. I saw on the television, you know, and I'm sure some of you have seen the ad, happy cookiness. Happy cookiness. Come on, you know, that's ridiculous. And then you have Easter and you have the bunny and the eggs. If you were at the service, at the Christmas carols last night, you would have seen the little puppet that talked about the eggs and, and bunnies. Are they Christmas time? Everybody gets confused about what it is. And there are figures that are showing up that are really making us uncomfortable. In England and Wales, they just uh, recently they did a survey last year, and 59% of, in, sorry, in 2021, 46% said they had no religion, they weren't Christian, compared to 59% just 10 years earlier. In the USA, in 1972, 90% of the population identified as Christian in 2020, 64%. And one guy that I read said these numbers reflect the retreat from Christian faith and morality that is on display in our culture every day. And this is the challenge for us at Christmas. C.S. Lewis, in an, his inaugural speech at Cambridge University in 1954, said that we now can divide the modern era into three, three periods. The pre-Christian period, the Christian period, and the post-Christian period, which he said we were in now, which he said in 1954. And he said, what, it's interesting that the 
Christians and the pagans actually have more in common with each other than the Christians and the non-Christians because they don't have a God. And he said that the gap is becoming increasingly so because the rest of the world doesn't see a God. And we, we see the escalation of the me God and the post-truths that become quite alarming in our society, even here in Australia. And I, I'll read this because of what I wrote it down, so I don't want to muck it up. If there is no moral compass and no ethics based on the development through history of Christian ideals and through a Christian society, where we could say that institutions are based on the teachings of Jesus, we are in a time when that is not so. In a post-Christian society, we are moving into an uncharted territory and the opposite can happen. And we can have fear, and they do have fear in America, of being marginalised and persecuted. So why am I saying this about Christmas 2022? And it's just very, very simple. Bringing the gospel in a post-Christian world is one of the all-consuming things that we in the church need to do today. The world does not want to acknowledge a virgin birth, does not want to acknowledge the miracles of God, does not want to encourage or take on board that God can interfere, intervene and does intervene in their life. Understand that the birth of Jesus was an intervention by God to save us for eternal life. Not a holiday, not a skiing holiday, but a miraculous event already planned from creation as Stephen showed last week. There is a greater thing going on that we need to communicate at Christmas time. And you know, we keep talking about it. We did it last night. And John had someone say to him, I had two people say to me, it was great to hear a message and do have a time where commercialism didn't interfere. People actually came out through that gate. I was at the gate. They came out so positive about enjoying themselves. It was just a pleasure to see. We're preaching this message. The old things have passed away and the new has come. John, in his gospel, said, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. And a little bit further on in verse 14 in, in John 1. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, said John. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John echoes what... Isaiah in chapter 9 says, Light has come, darkness and death are overcome. That's our message. Our message is John 3, 16 and 17. 
For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world. The people around us are not condemned. The people around us are waiting for us as a church and the Holy Spirit to bring them into a new life with Jesus Christ. It's the work of Jesus' salvation that people need to see at Christmas. The work of Jesus meeting them at that point and the birth of Jesus always leads us to the cross. We need always to remember that Christmas leads us to the cross. The same world, as same way as the Old Testament prophecies lead us to Jesus, Jesus' birth leads us to the cross. And in our reading we saw to, that he really is someone special. A son on whom the government of society falls. Everything falls on Jesus. He's a wonderful counsellor especially since his death and resurrection brought us the Holy Spirit and someone we have access to the Father at all times. There's no longer any barriers. We have no excuse not to talk to God, not to talk to Jesus. They opened the curtain. They made the place for us. He's a mighty God. The Word became flesh. He now rules over all this world despite what we see. An everlasting Father, Jesus and God, are at one with us, bringing new and everlasting life and a Prince of Peace. Jesus is truly a peacemaker and that's what we need to be in this world. We offer the world, as I said to the kids, we offer the world peace, joy and love and they all come from God through Jesus Christ. Isaiah assures us that the kingdom will be established through Jesus and he will reign with justice and righteousness. The interesting thing is that the Israelites were looking for a mighty king but Isaiah told them straight away this mighty king was going to be someone like they'd never expected, like they never believed. In chapter 53, he said, Who believed? Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by mankind, a man of suffering and familiar with pain, like the one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. The true picture of Christmas is a saviour who's come not as a conqueror, but as someone who's come to meet us at our point of need. No matter where we are and what we're doing, Christ is there for us. I just want to move on. I'm looking at the time. I have a very interesting blog 
or story that I, I wanted to read to you because it talks about traditions, you know, and one thing I read this week was that the best traditions are those that bring people together and add depth to our relationship with others and whether they are silly, sacred or somewhere in between, it's worth taking the time to make sure that they are a means to an end rather than the end ourselves. So we can celebrate, we can do all those things, but never forget what the end game is. The end game is Jesus is Lord and Saviour. And that's what Charles Spurgeon said. I keep, I always quote, but somehow I end up quoting Charles Spurgeon pretty much every time. Charles Spurgeon said, Preach Christ always and everywhere. He is the whole gospel. His person, offices and works must be one of our great all-comprehending themes. And with that, I just wanted to read this to you because I, it touched me and it may touch some of you very much. This was written by a woman in America, Chris, Kristen Tariq. She's a, a blogger and a, an author and she said this, Holidays now come with a never-ending to-do list, a calendar and multiple events each day and budget crippling purchases. And if you're like me, this may be the first holiday season since you lost a loved one. Or it may be a holiday, or maybe the holidays remind you of someone you lost many moons ago, which causes every Merry Christmas or bright light display to layer grief like winter clothes during a snowstorm. Do you feel this way? It can't just be me. Do the thoughts of endless busyness give you anxiety? Are you sad instead of joyful? Have you lost the nostalgia of December? I had, without realising, so recently I wrote a poem for the local showcase, and the poem, The Spirit of Christmas, took over my mind. Though I have been a Christ follower for a long time, I still catalogue the spirit of Christmas as this fake, soft breeze that travelled through the air and not the spirit of Jesus, as it rightly is. And she wrote this poem. Leaves are gone, green high horizons now grey. Cold dreariness has infected the days. Then twinkle lights brighten, illuminating, illuminating the sky. Beams that signal a broken heart's cry, of longing and sadness, and missing those parts of grief and enduring, they hope will not last. But growing and glowing, radiance lifts from the earth in triumph, celebrating the holy one's birth. Winter's heavyweight begins to recede. Waves of joyfulness flow like a velvety breeze. Christmas is coming. The spirit is here. Hope now residing. True love is clear. So as we pass through this Advent period, the all-consuming and driving thoughts of the festive season must begin and end with Jesus Christ. We must continue to see it as the fulfilment of God's plan, as the redemption of the human race, which includes us. 
And if we have anything to tell anybody, it's that Jesus Christ is for you, for me, and for everyone. And I, I pray that we, as a church, we will take that message day by day, as individuals, as a group, in our hearts, always. Jesus is the baby born to save us. The seed of God becoming human flesh so that we may be redeemed to the Father, to Jesus, and have eternal life. Without eternal life, it's dust. So let's together lift up Jesus on high as Lord and Saviour to all that we see. May peace, joy, love and happiness reside in all of us, but all through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of gathering together. We thank you for this, the joy of being here as one in your house. We dedicate our lives to continuing to live for Jesus and we continue to ask you to fill the gap in our lives, the emptiness that we might have. We know, Father, that, the, that Jesus will bring all things to us, that he will be our rest. And so, Father, I pray for all of your people here that your rest would just lay upon them and that as we go through this Christmas season, that we give you all the glory, all the honour and all the praise because you truly are Father God in heaven and we give you thanks for Christ our Saviour. Amen.